Hi there, welcome back to the Trust of a Governor show. And right now we're listening slash watching World of the Occult. It's a show on Gaia. Enjoy. And then from there you get into all the other metaphysical pursuits. And that's why today the world is half scientific and yet half spiritual. But the spirituality did not come first. There's no regular interest in how the world works. That's what the ancient peoples built those great observatories for. They just wanted to study the heavens. But in doing so, it didn't take long till around the world, mankind that was viewing the heavens for science began to suspect that there's something else going on here. And now... She blinded me with science! She blinded me with science! De -de 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 -de. The, the world of spirituality. As I said, the word occult simply means hidden. So there are many hidden sciences that the really bright people who are looking into these things know about. But generally speaking, the world of mankind is not really well informed about alchemy and about the sciences of, of spirituality. But Science. that's growing now too. So people are beginning to wake up to the spiritual relevance to your life of spiritual subjects. I think that there is something there that needs to be looked at this whole idea of where man has come from, where he is right now, and ultimately where is he going to go with his knowledge and with his life and experiences? What is the reason why we're having the experiences that each of, each of us do have each day? We're all growing, and hopefully we are growing far more intelligent and, and insightful and looking at the spiritual aspects of our life. That's a very important feature of being alive, is to not just live for the material world today, but start asking serious questions about where were you? Just stop and think about that for a moment.
after you leave here this earth and what is the reason for our human life and why are we learning so many hard lessons the hard way there seems to be in some sort of an overshadowing presence in the universe that men have called God or some sort of an ultimate a spiritual presence that is leading or directing our evolution and if that be the case which it seems to be then maybe there is some hope yet for the human race if enough people begin to wake up spiritually speaking and begin to look at their lives spiritually then there might be hope for us yes because this is why we are in the shape we're in today because we are living in this me generation and this generation that only cares about feeding itself and taking care of itself and enjoying itself never realizing you have responsibilities to the world that you live in and to help to help your fellow man to, to grow and to help educate other people this should be I part of the myself um... This should be part of the hashtag new national curriculum started up and, and <clears throat> hashtag to make contributions to what I think should be in the new national curriculum. In relation to the idea of why do we seek wisdom and spiritual knowledge, I have always understood that I have questions within myself that others can't answer. And for me, looking at these questions uh, they make a lot of sense to me why this and why that why did this happen so I, I have learned that to think deeply on these spiritual questions of life opened me up to a whole world of knowledge because I realize how much I don't know and I am also well aware of the spiritual implications of the laws of the universe around us there are certain things you can do in this world and things you cannot do and you will pay you will pay a terrible price for doing the things you're not supposed to do and I am totally convinced that there is some sort of an overshadowing force in the world that wants us to grow and this concept is even in Christianity where you're talking about you hear talk about good angels and bad demons and bad angels uh, implying that there are good forces unseen forces out there and then there are bad and we know that there is something called good and bad there are certain things in all society which are known to be bad and evil I tend to think Wait, that there something. is something to this idea of reincarnation and I, the reason why is because it is evolution. And if that be the case, which it seems to be, then maybe there is some hope yet for the human race. If enough people begin to wake up, spiritually speaking, and begin to look at their lives spiritually, then there might be hope for us. Yeah, because this is why... We are in the shape we're in today because we are living in this me generation. And this generation that only cares about feeding itself and taking care of itself and enjoying itself, never realizing you have responsibilities to the world that you live in and to help, 
to help your fellow man, to, to grow and to help educate other people. I can speak for myself in relation to the idea of why do we seek wisdom and spiritual knowledge. I have always understood that I have questions within myself that others can't answer. And for me, looking at these questions, uh, they make a lot of sense to me. Why this and why that? Why does this happen? So I, I have learned that to think deeply on these spiritual questions of life opened me up to a whole world of knowledge because I realize how much I don't know. And I am also well aware of the spiritual implications of the laws of the universe around us. There are certain things you can do in this world and things you cannot do. And you will pay, you will pay a terrible price for doing the things you're not supposed to do. And I am totally convinced that there is some sort of an overshadowing force in the world that wants us to grow. And this concept is even in Christianity where you're talking about, you hear talk about good angels and bad demons and bad angels, uh, implying that there are good forces, unseen forces out there, and then there are bad. And we know that there is something called good and bad. There are certain things in all societies which are known to be bad and evil. I tend to think that there is something to this idea of reincarnation. And I, the reason why is because it is pretty much agreed upon by so many of the ancient religions and philosophers and great teachers of the world. My gut feeling is that we do come into this world with baggage from other lifetimes. And this is why we begin to become who we are because of who we were before. Another part of that story is that we, before we came and incarnated on this earth, that we chose a particular lifestyle, we're told, and uh, given to understand, and that we chose our own parents before we came here. I understand the spirit world enough to know that it's very possible that we, that we were in a spiritual state and then we incarnated into a physical state. Now the rest of it is uh, up for speculation. I am totally convinced that there are very legitimate and real uh, otherworldly, I choose to call it, otherworldly forces, spirit forces, demonic forces. There are that there is no doubt in my mind about because I've had too many personal experiences that tells me and proves to me that somebody is watching us. Somebody's watching the human family. The very history of how America was founded and the founding fathers, so to speak, what vision they had when they were putting together the idea to found this country. What was their vision? And what were they thinking? And what were they actually working toward? And now that gets into the, uh, the, the subject of Freemasonry, to the secret sciences like alchemy and political. There's a lot of political stuff in there too. You have 
societies because these different societies become very powerful, very wealthy, but they have an agenda. They have a particular agenda that they're trying to uh, create or to uh, bring into being, and therefore they will build the whole world around you. And you accept when you know when you're a child or a baby, you come into the world and you just accept everything. And if you don't grow up, you just as a grown person, you just accept whatever there is because that's the way it is. But that's not the way it is. And you keep in mind that there were secret societies that were involved in founding this country. Who were they? And what were they trying to do? You have to know secret societies to understand why there are so many different symbols and emblems in Washington, D.C. and around the world. Because there's different groups, societies, that are working towards certain agenda, and they are putting symbols out that represents their agenda. We know that even in gangs, and when you drive to neighborhoods like Los Angeles, and there are scribblings on the walls of gangs, those symbols mean something. And if you're in a gang, you know what those symbols mean. They're telling you something. Whoever is controlling that area, that's their symbols. And that's a whole study that you need to get into, studying the occult symbols of power in this world. They're used to, as a means to communicate and to influence you or to connect you with the spiritual world that they represent. So let's start with a religious symbol. And that is an ancient Phoenician god that was very important in the Middle East some 5,000 years ago. That god was called Dagon. D like Dagon. Looks like Sumerian. A-G-O-N. Dagon was a fish god. Interesting how he has evolved into today's world of religion. Dagon is still very much alive with the world today. That looks First like, like all, my, my Buddha fish. Christianity I painted with my Taiwanese friends. Two of them. Is it's a Buddha fish, it's a Buddha, and it looks like this God, fish God. On the worship of Jesus Christ, that mm. is accepted around the world. And most people believe that the Vatican is the center for the worship of Jesus, the God of Christianity. Uh, however, millions of people also believe uh, is that the Pope of Rome is leading the Christians to worship Jesus throughout the world. But my question is, who is the Pope leading the worship of? The first symbol that I want to talk about is the headdress that the Pope or the Bishop of Rome wears. Uh, that headdress is very interesting. It has one, uh, quite a history to it. That Pope's headdress is called. Oh, no. <clears throat> Picture that. Ancient people. Oh, they man. knew all about it. Sure. 
we are trying to catch up today to what they knew tens of thousands. Oh my gosh. Sorry, guys. Oh, that's really cool. First of all, everyone mm, knows it. that Christianity is founded on the worship of Jesus Christ. That is accepted around the world. And most people believe that the Vatican is the center for the worship of Jesus, the God of Christianity. Uh, however, millions of people also believe uh, is that the Pope of Rome is leading the Christians to worship Jesus throughout the world. But my question is, who is the Pope leading the worship of? The first symbol that I want to talk about is the headdress that the Pope or the Bishop of Rome wears. Uh, that headdress is very interesting. It has one, uh, quite a history to it. That Pope's headdress is called a uh, Pope's mitre. The Pope's mitre, uh, we've seen it in many different shapes, but they're always basically the same shape, the Pope's mitre. It's an official headdress worn only by the Pope, or supposedly only by the Pope. But we need to understand that that symbol goes back at least 5,000 years. So what we need to know and what we need to keep in mind is that this strange and interesting headdress of hat that the Pope wears is impacted by a, a god named Dagon. Dagon was a god of the Philistines, and Dagon comes from the word dag, which means fish. So Dagon was a fish god. And here we have pictures of another fish god named Ani, same god, but was worshipped in different countries under different names. So we have, we have a god who's half fish and half men, or men who wear the garbs of a fish in their, in their religious uh, celebration. So here in the Jewish Encyclopedia, under the heading of Dagon, you will see a picture of uh, the priest of Dagon or the god himself, and he's wearing a fish head in the body of a fish down his back. So now we see the Pope's headdress. Hmm. On the top is the Pope's mitre. But when turned, you then see he's actually wearing a fish head, the fish god Dagon because he's representing the worship of an ancient Phoenician god. So this is why today Christians on the back of their cars, you will see, have a fish symbol. I'm thinking that uh, that's to denote them as Christians worshiping Jesus. No, it's a fish symbol because it's denoting Dagon, the fish god. The significance is Dagon was a very important mystical god to the ancient peoples in the Middle East, in Babylonia, Sumeria, Phoenicia, Canaan. And that very powerful mystical god is still dominating the spirit and the intellectual thinking of religion, even to today. So it's not Jesus that's influencing the Vatican and the Pope. Uh, it's Dagon, the fish god. That's the importance of it. point being is that religion comes to the world in the age of Pisces, and Pisces is, of course, the two fish of the constellation of Pisces. But Dagon is 5,000 years
years old. Another one of the symbols I find to be very interesting that's used quite often around the world today, but a lot of people don't know uh, to how it's connected to the religions of today, and that is a magic wand. Magic wands, we've, we've heard in stories galore from children from childhood days about magicians who use a magic wand. Well, the magic wand is just what it says it is. So it's a some sort of a branch of a tree that has been consecrated and, and made holy by blessings from, from the, the priest. And now it has a magic quality that can do things that other humans can't do. The Druid priests, they use the wood of a holly tree. They use Hollywood. And that's what we get the term today, Hollywood, and the magic of Hollywood. Today we have Hollywood. Uh, we have Mickey Mouse waving a magic wand. On the left side, we also have actual real magic wands as they are made today in Europe. And of course, orchestra leaders, orchestra conductors, they, they lead the music with uh, a magic wand. A lot of people haven't thought about that, but that's what it is, a magic wand. So here we have a picture of Moses, where he is conjuring up the spirits in the universe with a magic wand. That's very interesting, Moses with a magic wand. Uh, in the ancient Roman Empire, the most important god uh, at the height of Rome's power in the world was a god named Mithra. Mithra was a sun god. And according to the Roman explanation of their god, he was not only a sun god, but he did his miracles with a magic wand. Now here we have Jesus raising Lazarus from the tomb. And you will see that Jesus is using a magic wand. How many Christians know that all throughout Europe, around the world christian churches have jesus working his miracles with uh, magic wands a lot of people don't know that you know? so we, we hear all about the, uh, the magical things that jesus was able to do but here in the actual churches we see that jesus is doing his miracles with a magic wand the importance of this is to point out that people do not realize that in christianity uh, the understanding in the ancient world and in the medieval world was that these religious figures like Jesus were doing their, their miracles with magic wands. But it's actually legitimate, de jure, real, magical system of controlling people's minds and directing their spirits and their hearts and, and being able to direct our, our civilization magical symbols, magical words. Another symbol that I find to be very interesting is uh, in Star Trek, there was a Mr. Spock. And if you remember, Mr. Spock was always giving a hand sign, and he was said to be a Vulcan. First of all, his hand sign was actually a religious symbol in Judaism, uh, in which it was a blessing congregation in Judaism. It's called the Kohen symbol. This symbol is a Jewish blessing symbol. But where did it come from? 
It comes from the split hoof of a goat. It goes back to the split hoof of a goat because we're talking about the age of Aries, the ram. When the Jews were under the age of the ram, the ram or the lamb of God. And so that's why today we call Jesus the lamb of God. Going back to the constellation of Aries, the ram. Nebo even said that he accepted that sign and used it. But because it was a sign from his rabbi, and he thought it was a very interesting symbol, so he just used it in Star Trek. I'm sure he probably knew the, uh, the, the meaning of the sign, but that's where he said he got it from. Another subject which is interesting and very relevant today is a symbol called the fasci or the fasces. On the back of it, uh, on the back of an American dime, you will see a bundle of sticks tied together, and it has an axe head with it. That is uh, called a fasci, and it's an ancient Etruscan symbol that was adopted by the Roman Empire to symbolize Rome's power. It's an old ancient Etruscan symbol, but it's very important to the Roman Empire. Rome said, ancient Rome's philosophy was, if it's just one stick, and you can you can beat somebody with a stick, but it's not going to hurt them really. But if you got two or three sticks, now it, it now it's going to be a, a little bit heavier deal. But if you get five or six sticks and tie them together as one, now you've got serious strength. Now, now when you beat somebody with uh, six or eight sticks tied together, that's that's serious. And so then they put a hatchet head on it because uh, an axe head always represented in almost all the ancient cultures of the world, accepted that the axe head represented the presence of God. God was the great hatchet. The, you know, he's giving you the axe. And so the hatchet head represented God and the bundle of sticks represented a coalition of troops. So when Rome would go into some uh, to another country to overtake it, they would take troops from this group and troops from that group, put them all together. Now you've got a strong force, not just Romans. It's all kinds of other, other countries are, are with you. And so that's what we hear today. When we hear the presidents talking about during the Middle East, they have a coalition uh, of, of countries, not just America. We have uh, other countries with us. It's a coalition. Coalition is another name for fasci, which is a symbol for world fascism, where you can get all the countries together and, and have them all, you know, all doing the same thing, all of the countries uh, marching to the same tune. Now you've got a strong military force. The fasci was, was usually carried officially behind Caesar. He would be in the front of the parade or whatever, and there would be what is called lectors behind him, and they would be holding the fasci, symbolizing Caesar's power over life and death. He is the man. He's the boss. And so the lectors would be standing on both sides of Caesar on the altars when Caesar was speaking, holding those fasci so that the Roman people know he is he has the right to life and death. So here you see in World War II uh, with Mussolini on the left and his symbol for his government, a fasci. Well, of course, it's Italian. That goes back to the Roman Empire. 
And so here we have uh, a Nazi, as you'll see, the swastika there, the Nazi eagle, like the American uh, fallen eagle. Uh, but you'll see the two fasci's on each side of the swastika. This is because Germany was in league with Italy during the Second World War. Mussolini had in mind to do the same thing Adolf Hitler wanted to do, was to create a new world order. And so Mussolini saw that new world order as being Catholic, as to be Roman, while, uh, while Germany saw it to be uh, German and, and uh, not Italian. But the two together, uh, I suppose they figured they'll, they'll work that out once they take over the world. Well, Mussolini actually, according to history books, actually thought of himself as Caesar. He saw himself in his position of power at the time of the Second World War as Caesar of the ancient Roman Empire. Therefore, it would be right that he would pick the symbol that Caesar used to show his power. And so that's why the, the fasci became so fashionable in Italy. But the two fasci, you will also see, on the uh, wall behind the uh, where the Speaker of the House sits when the President is making a, a speech. The United States has, uh, has a secret societies uh, in their government and behind the government are very powerful secret societies that see itself, these societies see themselves as the as the promoters and, the, and, the, and to generate a new world order all countries copy each other the fascists copied the etruscans uh the romans copied the greeks and the greeks copied the, the egyptians and that's just the way humans are what did we change uh, the more we stay the same we're all still adopting the same symbols that we adopted uh, the egyptian empire we're still using those symbols today pyramids and Let's talk about the pyramid. And we all recognize that there's uh, three beautiful pyramids on what is called the Giza Plateau in, in Egypt. But my question is, there's only one of the three of those pyramids is referred to as the Great Pyramid. First of all, you need to know that the pyramid that's directly behind the Sphinx uh, is not the Great Pyramid. It is a Great Pyramid pyramid in Egypt, but it is not the Great Pyramid. This is the Great Pyramid of Egypt. How many sides does the Great Pyramid have? Well, you would think if there's four sides, and then there's the bottom as a side, so it would be five-sided pyramid. But actually, in point of fact, no, the Great Pyramid is nine sides. Why? Because on the first day of the spring equinox or the fall equinox, if you are in the right place at the right moment when the sun hits the pyramid, you will see that each side is divided down the middle, but so subtle that when you are there at the pyramid, you don't notice it. But on the first day of spring and autumn, you will see the Great Pyramid is divided down the middle. And so here again is another picture of the pyramid from above on a special day and a special hour when the sun's hitting it just right. And so each side is two sides. Therefore, if, uh, if you, you've got not four sides, but eight. 
plus the bottom side makes nine. So how many people know that the Great Pyramid of Egypt has nine sides? It's strange, but it seems as that no one really knows why the Egyptians took so much effort to divide each side of the pyramid so perfectly and so brilliantly and such uh, that you would not see it until a particular day at a particular time. We call it the Great Pyramid because there's a lot of important yeah, stuff that's ticket to uh, ride. implied in that, in that, in that pyramid. And the other pyramids do not even come close. They don't have anything like what's in that great pyramid. That is one act by itself. It's the only one. That's what we today call it the great pyramid. Uh, the next subject we'd like to look at for a moment is the cornerstone in the Christian religion. Christians will tell you that the church, that in the church of Christianity, Jesus, is referred to as uh, the, the, the cornerstone of the church. But that's not exactly correct. The actual scripture says that he's not the cornerstone. It says Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone is what it's said to be, just a stone at the corner of a building. But wherever you set that cornerstone up, you're going to line all the other stones up with it. So it's the first one that decides where this building is going to be aiming. And so Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. But Jesus is actually referred to as the chief cornerstone. And that's important because a totally different understanding of the word chief cornerstone. Chief cornerstone means a triangle placed on top of a pyramid. A little, if you take a perfect flawless pyramid, triangle, and you cut off the top, it itself is a pyramid, but it's a tiny one that sits on top of the big one. That tiny little pyramid is called a pyramidion. A pyramidion is a tiny pyramid sitting on top of the big pyramid. That's what the Bible says Jesus is. He is a pyramidion. He's not a cornerstone. He's a chief cornerstone, which is on the top of a pyramid. That was the genius of the ancient Egyptians. And so today, the more we have changed, the more we stay the same. So we use the same symbols that Caesar used. We use the same symbols that the Babylonians used. It's because... Mankind is hardwired, so to speak, to realize the importance of very powerful symbols to represent your civilization and who you are, where you come from, and what your destiny is. It's everywhere from religion to governments to military, commerce, banking. Symbols is a way to communicate with the world. I'm Jordan Maxwell, and thank you for watching. <clears throat> that was the world of the occults. The signs are all around us. Jordan Maxwell takes us on a journey through time in the human mind to reveal his understanding of the secrets behind many of the symbols we see in our world. From astrology to alchemy, Freemasonry, and secret sciences, these emblems have emblazoned coins and flags in, it, in many ancient cultures, including Roman Egypt. We still see these, yes. This is solar worship.
This is Secret Life of Symbols. On this episode, I'd like to talk a little bit about the sun and its symbolic importance in the whole story of the Zodiac. Now, as we begin the story of the sun and the ancient religions of the world and how much the sun has dominated civilization for as long as we have records, we need to go back to the very beginning. And that's a long time ago. Let's go back to Egypt. We'll start in Egypt because that's one of the oldest civilizations on the earth. And we will see how Egypt developed the concept of the importance of the sun in relation to theology and spirituality and religion. Now, this is an ancient symbol for the sun, prehistoric, that the ancient peoples drew to represent the sun. It's an equal arm cross within the circle. Here is a artifact that was found in England. Its own hinge is on a golden circle, which represents the sun. And then you'll see the cross in between. And this is about 4,500 years old. Almost 5,000 years ago, ancient mankind drew pictures of what they perceived the sun to be as an equal arm cross. And you will see it also in the ancient religions of the near and Middle East, the different ancient gods in the Phoenician, Canaanite, and Sumerian systems. They all had the equal arm cross. But it's important to remember that the sun was never perceived as a god. It was perceived to represent the spiritual qualities of God and that it brought light to the earth, it brought warmth to the earth, it brought energy for us to live. So all of the good things about God and his creation was best represented by the symbol of the sun. Sometimes the sun actually even looks like it has an equal arm cross in the heavens. The reason why it's four equal arms on the cross is because there are four equal seasons of the year. We have north, east, west, and south, the four corners. Then each one of those four corners represents a season of the year, spring, summer, autumn, winter. This is why you have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they're talking about the life of the sun. The ancient peoples, like us today, we draw a circle, a round circle, and we divide it into four equal parts. And so now you have an equal arm cross inside of a circle. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, spring, summer, autumn, winter. There are a lot of symbolism in the Bible that we have misunderstood and mistaken. The whole idea is the four lodging places of the sun gives us our four seasons of the year. You will find the equal arm cross all over the world. Every race and creed and color has the same symbol for the ancient sun. The Nordics had the symbol. The Vikings kept the symbol. Ancient France used the symbol. The symbol was on rocks, and carvings, and paintings. Even in India, 
you have the equal arm cross, the Celtic and the Celtic Druids in Europe and England and Ireland that had an equal arm cross. Native Americans used it, Central America, and especially in Mayan and Inca and some of the ancient uh, religions in South America have used the equal arm cross. So it became known around the world that the equal arm cross within a circle represented the old 5,000 year old petroglyph concept of the sun. Today people see it everywhere and so it has become not really important because it's just a general symbol that people realize is a cross. Here is a picture of the ancient Nordic peoples that were preparing for what we would call today the Easter sunrise service. Here the ancient peoples in Europe realized that the sun was coming back to the northern hemisphere and it would bring with it the warmth, the food, and life. And so they all gathered with their sun symbol to welcome back the sun that had died in winter and was coming back to the northern hemisphere. It became known as what we call today Easter. The circle on the cross is not a man dying on a cross. It's the sun on the northeast, west, and southern parts of the earth. The idea being, of course, is that when the sun dies in winter, and then when it is reborn on December 25th, the sun actually begins to move northward. And when it does, that tells the world that the sun is now coming back to the northern hemisphere, bringing back the sun to us in the northern hemisphere. Because for us in the northern hemisphere, the sun was dead to us because it was in the southern hemisphere. But now it's being born again and coming back to the northern hemisphere. That's the whole story in itself, is the vision of the sun going southward, dying on the cross, and then being reborn on December 25th when it moves one degree northward, and now is coming back and sort of springing back to life. And so on the, in the spring, we call it springing back to life. Well, you will have the symbol everywhere. And even the European agency for the Euro uses the same equal arm cross to represent the new Euro establishment. You will always find in royalty throughout the world, royalty and governments always use this equal arm cross. The Nazis used it, even in the parade of the Nazis used the swastika, which is a symbol of the sun also. But you will see also that they are using the equal arm cross. Coptic Christians, even the kings and rulers like the uh, emperors of Europe, always had the equal arm cross on their staff. Equal arm cross with the sun god and churches. In September, mid-September, around the world, Christians will gather in schools and universities to worship their, their God, Jesus, who died on a cross. And when they call this ritual, uh, see you at the pole. See you at the pole means that Christians will gather around the flagpole at their colleges and schools to uh, venerate and to worship Jesus, God's son, the light of the world. Well, of course, the sun 
is the light of the world. But here are Christians gathering to worship Jesus, never realizing that they are actually meeting around a very ancient symbol of the old petroglyph cross. But this symbol of an equal armed cross within the circle represents an old ancient idea of how to picture the sun. And it's really extraordinary to, to notice that all churches use that same symbol. And all over the world, people do not realize that this cross that they think represents Christianity is actually over 5,000 years old. It's an ancient, prehistoric symbol of the sun. Jesus has always represented the sun, the S-U-N, not S-O-N. The etymology of the word for the sun. You see that sun can be S-U-N or S-O-N. And depending on how it's used, S-O-N and S-U-N are used interchangeably in Christianity. As illustrations in the Christian church, you will see they're all actually around glowing sun not a young child or a baby or a man but the s-u-n there's two words s-u-n and s-o-n but the christianity and judaism are based on the worship of the s-u-n not s-o-n that's a misunderstanding that misunderstanding is part of the history of the english language because if you go back into the King's Old English, you go back into the history of the English language, there is a phenomenon which in English class you will learn is called the lazy O. The lazy O is a phenomenon in English, which means that translators always translated son, S-O-N and S-U-N, all in the same sentence. And so it became known as the lazy O. They were talking about the S-U-M, but they used S-O-M because they were lazy. They just used either one. The mother of Jesus is Mary, which is actually Mari, M-A-R-I, not M-A-R-Y. Mari means pure. And therefore, the mother of Jesus is a virgin or Virgo, one of the 12 signs of the Zodiac, is a Virgo, the virgin. So here is Mary, or Mary, the virgin, Virgo, holding the baby Jesus, or God's son, the light of the world. Today, we still have Jesus as God's son in the heavens, and he became now a great sun god. But the question you need to ask yourself is, who owns the sun? You will assume that the sun must be owned by someone. Well, mankind doesn't own the sun. If anything, you would say maybe God owns the sun. So if God owns the sun, then it's God's sun, and he's the light of the world. Of course, the sun is the light of the world. Looking at the communion host, the Catholic communion host, you will see it always looks like the old ancient petroglyph sun 
you see that the sun and Jesus hand represents the S-U-N. The Holy Eucharist represents the sun. This is why the priest in the church on Sundays will raise the, the, the sun. They will raise it. And why? Because that's what the sun does. It rises. So the sun rises. This is why we have the symbols on the host in the Catholic Church. It is always the old petroglyph sun. Jesus means God is with us. And you will see the priest is representing Jesus. How? As a son. All of this goes back many, many thousands and thousands of years before Christianity ever existed. And it has nothing to do with Christianity at all. It has to do with exactly what it's showing. Sun worship. And today we're still doing the same thing. We're worshiping the sun. And you will see the sun is prominent in all of Catholicism. Everywhere you look at Catholicism are worshipers of the sun. Now here we have a picture of Jesus giving to the children a part of his body. And what is he giving them? A little round sun disc. We're told that we should all take part of his body at the first communion. In a communion in the Catholic Church, you're taking part of God's son's body. The whole idea is very obvious what's being talked about here. We're just talking about sun worship. The idea that the sun dies on the cross goes back to the old petroglyph cross. And so that's where we see it now all over the world, all Christianity. You'll see the sun is always dying on the cross because in the southern constellation, when you go down south, when the sun reaches the lowest part in the sky in southern hemisphere, there is a constellation of stars that look just exactly like a uh, cross. And so we say the sun, when it dies in December, it goes down and dies on the cross. The cross is called the Southern Cross. When he was dead, but now he's coming back to the Northern Hemisphere because he promised he would return. And he is returning again in the spring. Solar symbolism of the sun going southward each, uh, each day until it finally reaches uh, December 22nd. When it's, it's its lowest point in the southern sky, it's down south now. It's gone south. But on December 22nd, the sun goes as far in the south as it's going to go. And it stops going southward on December 22nd. It doesn't go any further southward. Then on the 23rd and 24th, it rises on the same degree. And therefore, for three days, it doesn't move at all. It stays at the same degree. So we say, and the ancient people said, that Jesus, or God's son, died for three days. Why? Because it was moving every day, and now it's not moving for three days. So for three days, the sun was dead. And on December 25th, the sun moves one degree northward, which indicates, our, our, even the United States Navy will show you on their instruments that it indicates the sun is now alive again he's born again now he's going to work his way back to the northern hemisphere because he said god said i will i will return well he does he returns every year so what do you see do 
you see a man on this cross? Do you see a man dying on the cross? No. This is what is actually meant by dying on the cross. It's a sign. During the summer, when the sun is in the northern hemisphere, it is in the constellation of Leo. So he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Of the tribe of Judah. And then when、Judah. he dies, he that's, dies that's... in Capricorn down south when he moves Dude, south. So now he dies、Hold、in the winter. I need to pull up on that one. Anyway, welcome back to the、um, Gabinator Show, and、uh, this, we're learning about solar worship symbols. And when he comes back to the northern hemisphere, we call it spring. But when it crosses the equator, the sun will have to cross the equator, coming back to us in the north. When it crosses the equator, it is said to have passed over the equator. So in the Hebrew religion, when the sun passes over the, the, the coming back to the northern hemisphere, they call that celebration the Passover. But for Christians, they're worshiping the sun also as it passes over, but they refer to it as the resurrection. God's son has been resurrected; he's come back. It doesn't matter how you say it—a resurrection or a Passover—it just means the sun is coming back to us in the northern hemisphere. Sun worship is a very old religion, dating back thousands of years before the Roman Empire. But in Rome, the sun god was called Mithra. Mithraism was the main religion in the Roman Empire at the time that Christianity was coming into coming into play in the Roman Empire. Emperor Constantine was a follower of Mithra, and Mithra、uh, was God's son who died on a cross. He was dead for three days and rose again. Emperor Constantine was famous for starting the, the Roman Catholic Church. Roman Catholic Church was not started by Jesus. It was started by a Roman emperor, and it was and it was headquarters in Rome, not the heaven. <laughs> it was mixing Judaism and Mithraism, and some of the other religions of the of the、uh, Arabic world that also worshipped the sun, and brought all of these different religions together in order to confirm the power of Caesar in Rome under one religion and one government. Who it was actually a world government supposedly at the time. Catholic means universal, meaning whatever air is Catholic, because air is all over the world. Water is Catholic. Anything which is all over the world is Catholic, because it's a Latin word that means universal. Constantine was trying to unite all the religions of the Roman Empire into one. Religious divisions are very dangerous, and they and they can also harbor treason and and anti-government. And so Caesar realized that、Terrorism. he could bring all the religions into one religion and call it Christianity. 
and yet it would have all the parts of everybody else's religion. It would have Judaism, uh, worship of, of the sun. It would have Yahweh as a part of it. It would have Mithraism as a part of it, so that everyone could agree to follow one religion which Caesar would rule from. He would rule from. And so it was a political move. That's all. But the point is that Constantine, the Roman emperor, founded the Roman Catholic Church. Dude, what kind of a brilliant strategy is that? This is a Sumerian picturing uh, the sun on the altar. In the ancient world, uh, the Phoenician, Canaanites, Sumerians, uh, the Hittites, all of these ancient cultures always uh, had helmets. Their military wore helmets with the rising sun symbol. The rising sun symbol is still used even today around the world on helmets and military. Here in Rome, you'll see the Romans wearing the rising sun. Again, you will see it here where the Romans, they were brutal rulers of the people, but their symbol was the rising sun. And so now let's look at the sun worship today and its ancient foundation, which was a cult of Solus Invictus. Solus Invictus is Sol, which is the sun, and invincible. The sun was said by the Romans, it was invincible. Why was the sun invincible? Because every year it came into its power in, in the summer, and then it would die in the winter to the, to the northern uh, hemisphere. But it would come back every year. It would come back to the northern hemisphere. So it may die in the winter, but it's coming back. It's invincible. You can't keep it down. And so we see today the, the pictures of Saul, and he's the sun riding across the sky. The sun was pictured in Rome as uh, riding on a chariot across heaven. And so the sun was that lucky old sun riding around heaven all day, roaming around heaven all day, on, a, on obviously on a chariot. And here is Solus Invicti, or uh, this is a picture of Mithra, and it shows us the sun spokes, the sun rays around his head, the sun god of Rome. Now, in the doctoral theses, there's a very important book called The Cult of Solus Invictus. And in it, it, it shows you all of the connections with the Roman government, the Roman religion, the Roman commerce, the entire state of Rome and the ancient Roman Empire was all based on the sun. And you'll see like the sun cult uh, up to the first century of the empire, the political background of it, the establishment of the cult of Solus Invicti, the dogma, the teachings of the ancient religion. Dysolus Invictus is the true Roman sun god. Of course, the Roman sun worship can be traced back to the ancient Egyptian sun, sun god Amun-Right. So Amun-Ra was, we, say, we use the word today, R-A-Y, right, sun right. But the ancient Egyptians called their god Ra. Which, that's where right comes from. So it was called the cult of Ra or the cult of the sun ray. And so here is Amun Ray, both Catholic and Protestant. They refused to give up the old pagan sun cult of Amun Ray. And so today, this is why when you pray to God, 
you end up by saying amen because you're sending your prayer through God's son, Amun Ray. The Catholic Church is replete with all kinds of sun symbols. You'll always see the Pope wearing large sun symbols. It's on his hand, it's on his uh, gloves, it's on the outside of churches, it's at the top of churches also, implying the sun is risen and uh, the sun rays are dominating the, uh, the Catholic Church all over the world. So here's uh, paintings on the on the wall of the Vatican showing the angels, uh, showing the the worker, the common band, the worker, to look to the sun for his food and for his life and for everything. It's like a cartoon. Uh, God's sun is the light of the world, and so Catholic Church or the Vatican is promoting sun worship. Everywhere the Catholic Church and Christians meet, you will see the sun. This is a convention held in the United States for the Pope and, and, and to honor the Pope and to honor the Catholic presence in America. But you will see that there is a sun in the middle representing Christianity, God's son, the light of the world. The Savior is born. Here are pictures from uh, modern-day uh, you know, magazines of Christians. The Savior is born. Is there a child? You see a child there? No, you see the sun. And so the sun is always golden. So the little the Son of God has the spokes of the, of the uh, ancient uh, cross behind his head. You will see as he is always pictured as a blonde or the sun baby. And here's the mother uh, holding her son. And here in the Vatican is a very interesting uh, <laughs> a picture of, this is a sculptor in the Vatican. It's like a pet son. And it is showing <laughs> Jesus' mother, the Virgin, which is Virgo, the holding Virgin of the Zodiac, holding her newborn son, S-U-N. <laughs> and this is in the Vatican, both baby Jesus and a the grown-up Jesus are trying mm -hmm. to show you what is all symbolizing. It's symbolizing sun worship. Here you have the baby Jesus <laughs> showing you the sun. Here are the sun worship in the Jerusalem temple, the uh, ancient Hebrews worshiping the sun. Today we have the Pope, uh, you know, all over the world carrying the sun symbol for the sun. This is not a man on a cross. This is obviously sun worship. And you will see the sun everywhere as a pope. This is what is being promoted throughout the world as Christianity, but which is in fact sun worship. Now the ancient Egyptians pictured the, the sun had wings. And uh, we see it, 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 the sun is rolling across heaven the sun in, in India and the Hindu worship of the sun. Now here we have the Inca priest kneeling on an altar and, and offering up the wine in the altar to the sun god. I need to the same that. you will see in Japan, you will see in England, they're singing praises and a hymn to the rising sun, the wood carving uh, picture of the Jews and, and worshiping the sun. And here again is the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are writing about their savior, the sun. 
<laughs> because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are spring, summer, autumn, winter. The four seasons are symbolically represented by four and do worship of the sun. Well, I need a little bit. Pull up. Pull up. In the Vatican. And it is showing Jesus' mother, the Virgin, which is Virgo, the Virgin of the Zodiac, holding her newborn son, S-U-N. And this is in the Vatican. WTF. Both baby Jesus and the grown-up Jesus are trying to show you what is all symbolizing. It's symbolizing sun worship. Here you have the baby Jesus showing you the sun. Here the sun worship in the Jerusalem temple, the ancient Hebrews worshiping the sun. Today we have the Pope, uh, you know, all over the world carrying the sun symbol for the sun. This is not a man on a cross. This is obviously sun worship. And you will see the sun everywhere. Here the Pope. This is what is being promoted throughout the world as Christianity, but which is in fact sun worship. Now the ancient Egyptians pictured the, the sun had wings. And uh, we see it, uh, uh, the sun is rolling across heaven. The sun in, in India, the Hindu worship of the sun. Now here we have the Inca priest kneeling on an altar and, and offering up the wine in the altar to the sun god. The same you will see in Japan. You'll see in England, they're singing praises and a hymn to the rising sun, the wood carving uh, picture of the Jews and, and worshiping the sun. And here again is the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are writing about their savior, the sun. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is spring, summer, autumn, winter. The four seasons are symbolically represented by four gospels. This is a very important book showing that the sun in the church today, cathedrals are solar observatories. Hmm. Now, of course, in, in India, the most important sun <clears throat> god in India was Krishna. They're also, um, all these churches are built on more ancient sites, so, um, yeah, there's even more ancient sites, uh, um, like, uh, you know, pagans so-called pagans or, or savages or whatever they're like there are structure would be taken down <clears throat> said my tweet is reaching more people than normal so it reached 36 people big fucking deal but it's a start I guess anyway thanks for about I don't know maybe up to 5,000 almost like followers across social media so thanks thanks for that I do appreciate you and I s named all of you by name to thank you for nominating me for 
Arizona governor. It's awesome. Thank you. I, I do appreciate you. Love you very much. When when I get on there, I'll know your name. I, I'll I'll send you invites too. <clears throat> Inaugurations. Yeah. Anyway, so let's get back to this awesome show. I'm taking uh, pictures so I can paint. I can paint these images. I study. I study ancient history by by like studying their arts and their yeah their depictions of. Things. So what's when they went into India? Back in the 1500s, they learned very quickly the whole religion of God's son, the light of the world in India, who was Krishna. And they came back and infiltrated those teachings and concepts into what we call Christianity. This is the work of the church borrowing the stories from the ancient world of sun gods who died on the cross. Now here is an ancient Babylonian king, and his name was Shemesh. Okay, I see. I need to take a picture of the satellite. Oh, by studying it, I can understand. And he was a Babylonian sun king, and you'll see the altar in front of him has the sun. But this is very important. A Babylonian king being worshipped, and his name was Shemesh. It's because in the Hebrew language or in the, the Jews, Shemesh is the sun in the Jewish language. Here we have 37 of what we call sons of God from the ancient world to the modern. And they all have the same identity and the same. Hold on. I'm going to try to take a screenshot. Yeah, worked. So that I can. <clears throat> if I write them down, call on them. Stories that go with their lives. They were born of a virgin. They, they died on a cross. They were dead for three days and then was resurrected and came back. Their father was a carpenter and they had 12, almost all of these had 12 followers or 12 apostles. They had the same story that we have in Christianity 37 times over. So it's a continuation of the same story coming out of the ancient world. And today we call it Catholicism or Christianity. So the reason why these themes keep repeating themselves is because it is what is called the greatest story ever told. I think it is the greatest story ever told that the son is born each morning and ultimately dies at night and then emerges the next morning and bring life back again, but then dies again. And so the whole story is on the subjects of the whole universe and how our skies work and how the planets work. I think that the idea that there are 37 major gods, sun gods, and each have the same kind of a story where they died to the, you know, and were resurrected and they had a virgin birth it seems to imply that there was some sort of an ancient really truly ancient culture that developed this idea this story for the world and therefore it has become known as the greatest story ever told 
because it is the is in fact the greatest story ever told because so many ancient cultures have picked it up and applied to their own selves their own gods who had the same story of dying on a cross and being resurrected because there was like seven or eight of them right there will not be any messiah coming back for the jews for the christians or for any other religion on the earth it's all based on ancient concepts of the prehistoric and ancient world of the sun representing life to the earth so there won't be any messiah coming back because there was none to start with it's all based on the sun being the giver of life so now that we have the, the technology today that we have, uh, where we can talk to the world uh, through the, 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 the system of technology, we can now begin to show the whole world where all of this has come from, all of these ideas and concepts and gods and sun gods have come from. We're now able to do that with the technology we have today. So, so many people today are now beginning to see that their ancient and highly venerated religions are merely part of a world continuation of a same story. The greatest story ever told. I'm Jordan. By the way, if you're enjoying this podcast, give me a five-star review and also contact um facebook oh that's the most important thing um send them an email at support at fb.com okay and put in in the text please unlock trista's account okay that's a ding send thanks man i know i can on you guys so um Here's the write-up. The sun has always been a held a prominent role in theology, religion, and spirituality since the beginning of human civilization. Because of the many cultures that worshipped the sun and applied it to their own gods and religious practice, so worship may be the greatest story ever told. Jordan Maxwell. I thought I thought that was the applied to the Bible. Jordan Maxwell discusses concerns that may be considered controversial to conventional religious doctrine, but it is important to understand how ancient cultures viewed the sun as it moves through the zodiac and the way they symbolized its powerful influence upon the world. Maxwell, and thanks for watching. No, thank you for producing that. That was very interesting. Give you an A, Jordan, Mr. Professor Maxwell. Let's see what's coming up next. Um, Maseroth Ordinances of Heaven. Maseroth, M A Z Z. This is Secret Life of Simmons. So much of the world today is ill-informed about symbols and signs. That's what I do. I try and help people to understand the symbolism, the signs, 
the hidden indicators of where we are in the period of time and where we're going and what's coming because actually today there's so much violence and hatred among peoples and different groups because no one seems to understand we are all one people on the earth and we all have one history of the earth in the times in which we're living and so we need to realize that all the different religions are basically telling us certain things about the ordinances of heaven I think it will help the world and where we're going if we all start looking at symbols and emblems and educating ourselves to what these things mean. Job 38, 33, where it says, God is saying to Job, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? The Pleiades is one of the um, constellations in the heavens and so here god is saying can you bind the uh, chains of the pleiades can you lead toward the constellations in their seasons and then it says in 33 do you know the ordinances of heaven the ordinances simply means a decree or law directive it's the law to understand so god is asking job do you understand the laws that govern the heavens I'm asking the same question today. First of all, in order to know the ordinances of heaven, you must know the most important part or feature of the laws of heaven. The word in the Bible is Maserat, the ordinances of heaven. If you go to Job 38, 32, you will see the word Maserat. And in the footnotes, it says the signs of the zodiac. Now, a lot of people think that the zodiac should not be connected to Christianity or the Bible at all. Actually, in point of fact, the zodiac is the basis for both Old and New Testament. When you consult Bible references like the Bible dictionaries and encyclopedias, you look up the word Maserat and will tell you it's the 12 signs of the zodiac. We are given to understand in the Bible that God created the zodiac. And that may sound strange to a lot of people because most people think of the Zodiac as something evil, especially in Christianity. But no, the Zodiac is the basis for much of our learning today, much of our symbolism today, especially in religion and politics. I mean, even the watch you wear uh, is 12 signs of the Zodiac or the 12 signs that go in a circle. And that's what the word zodiac means, the 12 signs. We talk about the kingdom of God all the time, but most people don't realize what the... People don't realize what the kingdom really is. We... We humans put uh, different life forms into different uh, categories. We say fish are in schools and cattle are in herds. What kind of life form do we humans say are in a kingdom if it isn't animals? Animal kingdom. The Greeks came up with uh, the idea that the zodiac was a kingdom of animals that circled the earth. And so when we say in our prayers, even in the uh, Roman system that gave us a lot of our understanding of the Zodiac today, 
we say in our prayers, our Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let thy kingdom come and let thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We are living our lives in the zodiac. All cultures in the world recognize that the zodiac is important in their theology and their belief systems. And when you go to our Bible bookstores or Bible seminaries, go into the large libraries, and you will begin to see that there are so many books that are written by Christian and Jewish theologians and people who study religion. A Wycliffe Bible Commentary talks about to qualify as a director and judge of man's life on earth, one must be able to govern the heavenly bodies that rule the earth. Note the repeated mention of the influence of the atmospheric or astral heavens on earthly affairs. We're talking astrology. Here in the New Interpreter's Bible, it says uh, some connection between what happens in the heavens and what happens on earth is presupposed in the question that Job is being asked by God if he knows the ordinances of heaven. Being asked that question obviously means that God has assigned uh, ordinances in heaven, and we're calling it the Zodiac, Mazarot. Let's go back to Genesis 1.14 while we're on this subject. And in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the first page says, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs. Another Bible translation says, and God said, let there be light holders in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from night and let them be for signs. The word signs means things to come in Hebrew. The word for signs, the word is oth, O-T-H. This is the Hebrew word, which is translated in the Bible as just things to come. Well, that's what the Zodiac purports to do. It tells you about things to come. All Christians are aware that Jesus says to his apostles that in my father's house are many mansions. Dictators and and kings have always felt that there's a mansion in heaven for them. Well, it's a misunderstanding. The incorrect way is to say in my father's house are many mansions. But other translations say in my father's house are many abodes. Abodes is where you live, where you are, is in your abode. And my father's abode are many dwelling places. Oh, now we're getting to it. Because the heavens is where God is. And if God is in heaven, the scripture says that in my father's abode are many houses, are many resting places for the sun. Houses of the zodiac. Basically, it boils down to this that both the Old and New Testament are based on astrology. The 12 signs of the Zodiac is is part of the number 12 in Christianity. There were 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 brothers of Joseph, the 12 breastplate stones on the high priest, then the 12 apostles. Look at the Bible and you will see how many times 12 is used. 
It's all based on the 12 signs of the Zodiac. There was no 12 tribes of Israel. Each one of those signs in the 12 tribes of Israel was an astrological indicator as to what each month represented in the ancient Jewish religion. And the ancient Jewish religion understood this. It's people today who are not studying theology do not understand that the whole of the Old and New Testament is a metaphor. Harper Study Dictionary says the Lord made the constellations of Pleiades and Orion. I don't know how one could read something like this and not see that the Bible is saying God made the constellations of the Zodiac. New International Bible says he, God, is the maker of the bear and Orion and the Pleiades and the constellations of the South. So if you want to find a fault with astrology, then you'll find you fault with the ideas and concepts that God has put into the heavens as laws. Many philosophers have talked about that foolish people, ignorant and foolish people, are dominated by the zodiac. They don't know that their personality, Israel, was an astrological indicator as to what each month represented in the ancient Jewish religion. And the ancient Jewish religion understood this. It's people today who are not studying theology do not understand that the whole of the Old and New Testament is a metaphor. Harper Collins Study Dictionary says the Lord made the constellations of Pleiades and Orion. I don't know how one could read something like this and not see that the Bible is saying God made the constellations of the Zodiac. New International Bible says he, God, is the maker of the bear and Orion and the Pleiades and the constellations of the South. So if you want to find a fault with astrology, then you'll find you fault with the ideas and concepts that God has put into the heavens as laws. Many philosophers have talked about that foolish people, ignorant and foolish people, are dominated by the zodiac. They don't know that their personalities and things that happen to them are because of the stars and the moon and the, and the influence of these heavenly signs. But that wise people are guided uh, by these signs. And so I, it occurred to me that, that for thousands of years, mankind has navigated around the world on the high seas by a knowledge of the stars. And so the Bible is saying you should navigate your life by the stars. Here we have a typical publication in Christianity talking about astrology as satanic. And that's why I'm spending so much time talking about the biblical reference works, saying that, no, it is created by God. It's not satanic. If you really are interested in theological and spiritual subjects, especially in relation to the Bible, you need to get the Companion Bible by Kriegel because it's an astounding work where it gives one half of the page is the, is the scripture. The other half of, the, of each page are the footnotes. And the footnotes will actually blow you away because it tells you the truth about what these symbols really mean and where they came from. In the back of the uh, Kriegel Bible, 
it talks about the word and where it came from in the Hebrew and what it means. And it, it basically is saying that it is uh, telling you about things to come, astrology. So here we see the four seasons, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John writing a story about their risen savior. And what do we see them all for writing about? The son. This is why Jesus had 12 apostles. Jesus represents God's son. Not S-O-N, S-U-N. Jesus is a metaphor in the New Testament for the son. And he was our risen savior, of course, the sun rises each morning. You'll see this famous painting where there are 12 apostles. And to Jesus' right, there's the first apostle to his right is a woman. A lot of people do not know that one of the 12 apostles of Jesus was a woman. Why? Because there is a zodiological sign called Virgo. Virgo was a virgin. That's why you have to have one woman in there to represent Virgo. The 12 apostles are the 12 signs of the zodiac. Now let's look at some of the zodiac symbols used in religious history. We'll start with Taurus the Bull. The age of Taurus was the age of agriculture when the cows and animals that we were now beginning to use as food. That was just one of the qualities of the age of Taurus. The age of Taurus is between 4400 and 2200 BC. And keep in mind that Taurus the bull was recognized all over the world by all governments and all Everybody knew what it meant, except us today. <laughs> so this is why you have words like holy cow, and the cow is still holy in, in, in India today. We see the Egyptians worshiping the sun between the, the horns of the bull. The sun is very important to the 12 signs of the zodiac. Most people do not realize that Taurus, being in the, in the heavens as a constellational sign, was very, very important to Judaism. Here is Taurus, the cow, the bull, and he's in heaven. You see the sun behind him, so the sun is in the age of Taurus, the bull. Said it was offline. All for writing about the sun. This is why Jesus had 12 apostles. Jesus represents God's son. Not S-O-N, S-U-N. Jesus is a metaphor in the New Testament for the son. And he was our risen savior, of course. The sun rises each morning. You'll see this famous painting where there are 12 apostles. And to Jesus' right, there's the first apostle to his right is a woman. 
lot of people do not know that one of the 12 apostles of Jesus was a woman. Why? Because there is a zodiological sign called Virgo. Virgo was a virgin. I think they just called, the church just said that she was a so-called fallen woman or prostitute or, you know, just to defame any woman and put their... on everything that's why you have to have one woman in there to represent Virgo the 12 apostles are the 12 signs of the zodiac now let's look at some of the zodiac symbols used in religious history and we'll start with Taurus the bull the age of Taurus was the age of agriculture when the cows and animals that we were now beginning to use as food. That was just one of the qualities of the age of Taurus. The age of Taurus is... I think, from what I understand, the reason why the bull is sacred in India that in the flood or after the floods it was much one of the few things that gave sustained people from starving to death so um, I believe that's why the, the bowl is sacred in some cultures between 4400 and 2200 BC and keep in mind that Taurus the Bull was recognized all over the world by all governments and all religions of the world everybody knew what it meant except us today <laughs> so this is why you have words like holy cow and the cow is still holy in, in, in India today We see the Egyptians worshiping the sun between the, the horns of the bull. The sun is very important to the 12 signs of the zodiac. Most people do not realize that Taurus being in the, in the heavens as a constellational sign was very, very important to Judaism. Here is Taurus the sun behind him, so the sun is in the age of Taurus the bull. And of course, we have many stories about the Jews worshiping the golden calf. People don't understand what that story is all about. Moses goes up into the mountain to talk with God because it is time for God to change the ordinances of heaven. It's important here to remember that each sign of the constellation lasts 2,150 years. Every 2,150 years, the world changes completely. All the great religions of the world realize that. And now Moses comes down with a new beginning of a new way to worship God, a new time when God is going to worship in a different way. And so Moses goes up to find out what that new way of worshiping God wants people.
This is David Lynch promoting transcendental meditation. Flow more freely, uh, better relationships, you know, better relationships with the crew and all of, you know, with the people you're working with. It's fantastic. Now accepting applications for fall 2002. David Lynch, MFA in screenwriting. At the innovative low residency, David Lynch MFA and screenwriting program, you have the opportunity to learn transcendental meditation, help you sharpen your writing skills and gain access to deeper levels of your creative discovering how, as David Lynch says, to catch the big fish. Right. Okay, you Marjorie. You have your disagreements with Speaker Pelosi. Is that right? Why the fuck are, don't they uh, charge her with perjury? Why? Why the fuck don't they charge her with perjury? Question mark. Ever. Question mark.
Anyway, so I copied and pasted, uh, ever uh, signed and share my move on petition to indict Trump and the almost 200 GOP congressmen who orchestrated and are not yet held responsible for their role in orchestrating the January 6th insurrection, a violent terroristic attack on our U.S. Congress, https colon slash slash bit dot ly slash 3ka1mmd. She suddenly remembers when they pulled up recorded evidence. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said, uh, y'all are doing the Lord's work. Why the fuck isn't Marjorie Taylor Greene indicted for treason, comma, based on her role in the January 6th insurrection? Question mark. She, comma, along with Representative Bobert of Colorado, comma, were live tweeting Nancy Pelosi's location comma so the Trump rioters could find her and assassinate her at the gallows that they that up in front of our Congress. Exclamation point. Yeah, curiouser and curiouser. But I'd real to your story. Okay. In fact, you think that Speaker Pelosi is a traitor to the country, right? Sign my uh, petition. Pelosi is a traitor to the country. Right. 
Demand passage of H.R. 25 to remove insurrectionists. Call Congress. Do your fucking job as an American and call now. So full of shit. Speaker Pelosi is a traitor to the country. Right. 
<laughs> Turn right. I'm not fucking with you today, Siri. I'm not fucking with you either. Turn right. I'm not turning right. Recalculating. You stupid ass. Will you just listen to what I say? No, this is why I like Alexa better than you. I'm tired of you threatening me with that stupid hoe, Alexa. Turn right. I'm not fucking with you today, Siri. I'm not fucking with you either. Turn right. I'm not turning right. Recalculating. You stupid ass. Will you just listen to what I say? No, this is why I like Alexa better than you. I'm tired of you threatening me with that stupid hoe, Alexa. Turn right. <laughs> I'm not fuck friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I'd be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sharing yet? That's what I don't understand. That's what I'm... My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you... Shit. How come you ain't sure you? 
come you not famous yet? I'd be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't shared it yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I'd be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't shared it yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I'd be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't shared it yet? My friends be like, comma, why aren't you famous yet, comma, Trista? Question mark, question mark. Because y'all aren't sharing my shit. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point.
those who are saying they refuse to vote because Democrats haven't done all they said. To those saying that... My friends be like, how come you're not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you're not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you're not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? Like, how come you not famous yet? I'd be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I'd be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I'd be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I'd be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't sure yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. Thank you. 
Republicans. And with the filibuster in place, they can hold the entire Senate. And therefore, any bills the Senate needs to pass, hostage. It just all goes down the abyss. And when you complain that the Democrats aren't getting anything done, you are completely falling into their trap. The Democratic House is representing you passing these bills. Is representing you ready to sign these bills. All the Democrats have to do is overturn filibuster! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point! That's it! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point! But they don't! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point! Why? Question mark, question mark, question mark! Because, comma, as Ralph Nader said, comma, Democrats and Republicans are two sides of the same coin, comma, and dialing for the same dollars. Exclamation point, exclamation point. They insurrectionists first exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point before anything else can get done exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point otherwise comma the republicans We have laws to deal with insurrectionists in this country. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Use them. Exclamation point, use, exclamation point. We have laws to deal with insurrectionists in this country, comma, rather, exclamation point. They must be removed under the 14th Amendment, exclamation point. Pass H.R. 25 now, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. 202-224-3121, call Congress now. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point.
before the game is truly been played. And don't blame the team for not giving you enough. The other team will give you To those who are saying they refuse to vote because Democrats haven't done all they said. To those saying that Democrats have the majority. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Sometimes your kids tough, which they better be if they're going to survive in the world. You can't interfere when they're doing dangerous things carefully. Think about it that specifically. Dangerous things carefully. Yeah. That's such a place where kids learn. That is the only place they learn. That's where everyone learns everything. When you're doing dangerous things carefully, that, that's where you learn. And so you're going to make your kids... Sure do have my idol sounding different. Money, 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 When people ask, why are you always fixing your car? For two reasons. One, two. When people ask, why are you always fixing your car? You have to master a new skill, but you're avoiding it because you know that you'll be bad at it when you first do it. And if you're perfectionistic, you're going to say, well, I, I can't. Threw a broken bottle at Johnny Depp's head. Exclamation point, exclamation point.
Ninety million, ninety million dollars in, in um, pirates out of the penzance alone. So I was right. He should up it to at least a hundred fifty million. Hitting him. I didn't punch you. I was hitting you. And his co-stars were held in the bottom car and called him the same to work with. Meanwhile, Amber Heard has a history getting arrested for punching her ex-wife Tasia Van Rie in an airport in 2009. And she accused her ex-boyfriend Elon Musk of bugging her Tesla. That's why 3.8 million people signed a petition asking her not to return for Aquaman 2. For Johnny Depp's new role, he's going... 3.8 million people. Holy shit, that's like the population of Arizona. <laughs> that's funny. Wow. Be a biopic about the life of the French King Louis the Sixteenth, and Amber Heard doesn't have any work lined up outside of Aquaman's show. Team Johnny for the win. Johnny Depp was told his career was over. Rihanna is one of a kind, famed pop star, cosmetics mogul, philanthropist, but that doesn't mean she had a super hard life. She was basically prostituted out. It sounds like to me. When she was a kid. Ray doesn't have a couple of clones running around. Take, for example, TikTok user at Not Avery, who definitely has us thinking that with a die job, Rihanna and the young influencer would have us confused. Not to mention TikTok user Priscilla Beatrice, who really looks like Rihanna's full-on twin. So much so that the celeb couldn't help but notice, too, commenting in response to a video that Beatrice posted... Where's the album, sis? Hashtag R9. And it gets better. Beatrice is pregnant, causing fans to go wild in the streets of Brazil. And there's even a baby Rihanna on the loose as a Riri child doppelganger's mother posted a photo of her daughter on Instagram, leaving even some fans thinking that it's a photo of a young Rihanna. Riri girl, you are unique, but seems like there's a few of you on the loose out there. Rihanna is one of a... So I looked up how... A bat fights, and I, and there was this one video on planet Earth of a technique of a vampire bat to uh, with a chicken in a cage, and it, <laughs> how it fights the chicken, but it flaps around the cage for like an hour, 
just flat banging on the cage until the chicken has been scared for so long the chicken falls asleep. And then the bat sneaks into the cage and bites it on its penis. What? And I said, I said that, I said that to Matt Reese. He's like, I've got an idea. So I looked up how a bat fights, and I, and there was this one video on planet Earth of a technique of a vampire bat to uh, with a chicken in a cage. I am two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey. Because then I would be enough. <laughs> it would finally be true. I am this man visited his wife for their sixty-six. For 66 years, she's Alzheimer's. Can't remember anything about her past. Obviously, she can. I know that whatever you. By the way, a CBD oil. Has a physiological effect on you and your DNA and everything, everything about you, your outlook. So when I get up in the morning, you know, my my musical taste is so all over the spectrum. It's crazy. Yeah. I I know that whatever you listen to has a physiological effect on you and your DNA and everything everything about you, your outlook. So when I get up in the morning, you know, my, my musical taste is so all over the spectrum. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I know that whatever you listen to has a physiological effect on you and your DNA and everything everything about you, your outlook. So when I get up in the morning, you know, my, my musical taste is so all over the spectrum. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I know that whatever you listen to has a physiological effect on you and your DNA and everything everything about you, your outlook. So when I get up in the morning, you know, my, my musical taste is so all over the spectrum. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I know that whatever you listen to has a physiological effect on you and your DNA and everything everything about you, your outlook. So when I get up in the morning, you know, my, my musical taste is so all over the spectrum, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I know that whatever you listen to has a physiological effect on you and your DNA and everything everything about you, your outlook. So when I get up in the morning, you know, my, my musical taste is so all over the spectrum, it's crazy. Yeah. I, 
I know that whatever you listen to has a physiological effect on you and your... This photo has a disturbing backstory. It's the last photo of Michael Rockefeller, and it features the cannibals thought to be responsible <laughs> for his death. In 1961, Michael was traveling down a river with an anthropologist when his boat broke down. A Michael eventually decided to jump in the water and swim to shore, and that's the last time he was ever seen. His death was announced officially as drowning, though the rumor is that the Asmat tribe, who are known to be cannibalistic, were the cause of Michael's disappearance. But the story doesn't end here. About a decade after Michael's disappearance, National Geographic did a project on the Asmat tribe, and they were filming them rowing their boats. Did you see it? It looks like there's one white man rowing with the tribe. Maybe this photo isn't as disturbing as we thought. This photo has a disturbing backstory. It's the last photo of Michael Rockefeller, and it features the cannibals thought to be responsible for his death. In 1961, Michael was traveling down... Is a, what is this object near the moon? It's hovering, whatever it is. What's up? There's only 250,000 miles away. A while back, I did a video on the Sphinx. In the video, I said that there's evidence supporting an older date for the construction of the Sphinx than the mainstream gives us. In this video, I want to showcase the other side. There are three main arguments for this case. The first being that the face of the Sphinx represents the Pharaoh Khafra, who also built the second largest pyramid. Well, you choose for yourself. Secondly, that there were a lot of houses that were used around that time frame, which they see as direct evidence that it was the builders of the Sphinx and pyramids who lived there. This is just an assumption, however, they did not leave back a note. And lastly, it could not be as old as 10,000 years BC because there are no comparable structures that were built in that time. This was one of their strongest arguments, but now we have Gobekli Tepe. Well, is it at least an open discussion? How does Egypt react to claims of the Sphinx being older? Um, Zahi Hawass, by the way, he's a fucking egomaniac. He's, they're, they're, um, can't trust anything he says. Um, what it says, one of the biggest names in Egyptian archaeology. really open-minded mm -hmm. what's up with the dating of the sphinx a while back i did a video on the sphinx in the video i said that there's evidence supporting an older date for the construction of the sphinx than the mainstream gives us in this video i want to showcase the other side there are three main arguments for this case the first being that the face of the sphinx represents the pharaoh kafra who also built the second largest pyramid well, you choose for yourself. Secondly, that there were a lot of houses that were used around that time frame, which they see as direct evidence that it was the builders of the Sphinx and Pyramids who lived there. This is just an assumption, however, they did not leave back a note. And lastly, it could not be as old as 10,000 years BC because there are no comparable structures that were built in that time. This was one of their strongest arguments, but now we have Gobekli Tepe. Well, is it at least an open discussion? How does Egypt react to claims of the Sphinx being older? Zahi Hawass about the possibility that the Sphinx is older. 
really open-minded. What's up with the dating of the Sphinx? Okay. A while? Um... Drawing evolution. I remember one time when my watch stopped halfway through a minute's silence. <laughs> I stood there for hours. <laughs> Last year I bought my wife an artificial leg for Christmas as a stocking filler. <laughs> Twenty-five a day. No one, five days. No one had ever accused Johnny Depp of being abusive of any kind with a woman. For her own personal benefit, Amber Heard forever changed Mr. Depp's life and reputation. Do you have a message for your fans right now, Mr. Depp? I'm scared to death. No one, five decades, no one had ever accused Johnny Depp of being abusive of any kind with a woman. For her own personal benefit, Amber Heard forever changed Mr. Depp's life and reputation. You have a message for your fans right now, Mr. Depp. I'm scared to death. <laughs> There's uh five decades. Nope. Like the sex for accused Johnny Depp 
Like on Instagram, you can't. Oh shit. Okay, Amber Heard lawyer quits after heated argument about court performance. Haha, 37 minutes ago. I predict a historic yeah, our lawyer sucked. will cause a massive shift in the wealth divide. This, my colleagues and I from Brown Rudnick are truly honored to represent the plaintiff in this case, Johnny Depp. For nearly 30 years, Mr. Depp built a reputation, a respected artist whose name was associated with success. Today, his name is associated with a lie, a false statement uttered by the defendant, Amber Heard. It's a case about how devastating words can be when they are false. Under the law, a person who makes a false statement about someone else can be held responsible. That's because words matter, specifically, the words that she used in an op-ed published in the Washington Post. She published a fucking op-ed in the Washington Post. the op-ed was published, and this is no accident, the evidence will show, no one had ever in five decades accused Johnny Depp of being violent with a woman. And no one had even suggested ever that he was capable of something like this. By choosing to lie about her husband for her own personal benefit, Amber Heard forever changed Mr. Depp's life and reputation. Many have been wondering what all Johnny would say when he was on the stand during his trial against Amber. He's already testified a little via his time on Tuesday, but Wednesday was going to be a very telling time for him as he would open up more about his relationship with Heard and other elements that led to their very difficult marriage that came. And some of what was said and shown was indeed very sad. We'll break it down for you, but before we do that go ahead and do us a favor by leaving a like on the video subscribing to the channel and hitting the bell icon so you never miss an upload from us and with that being said let's get straight to the video so you want to win an iphone 12 maybe a macbook pro how about 500 cash all you have to do is comment the secret hidden message somewhere in this video that's it oh and leave a like on this video and subscribe to the channel so we can keep supporting these giveaways winner will be announced at the last day of each month thanks for watching and good luck number five not allowed to be right so given all that he admitted before between his early life with his mother and what went wrong with amber heard in terms of breaking her routine many wondered what would happen next that talked on wednesday about the changing nature of his relationship with Heard. he accused her of name calling and making demeaning comments about him at times in the relationship though it escalates arguments i was not allowed to be right not allowed to have a voice Depp said an argument between the former couple in 2015 ended with Depp seeking medical care for a severed finger after he claims Heard threw a bottle of vodka at him. She threw the large bottle and it made contact with his hand and shattered everywhere. Depp testified, then I looked down and realized that the tip of my finger had been severed. I don't know what a nervous breakdown feels like, Depp added, but that's probably the closest I'd ever been. This has been the biggest point of contention between the two, as his doctor stated in a text that was sent to him that Depp cut off his own finger, but according to him, it was indeed the bottle that severed it. Either way, though, it was clear that something very bad happened. He lied to protect his wife. Number four, trying to make it work. Who's the fucking gentleman? Imagine that. Oh, shit. Uh, oops state as things went wrong. You slowly realize you're in a relationship with your mother. In a sense, Depp 
testified. Depp testified Wednesday about his dynamic with Heard. Comparing the AB he says he experienced by his mother to Heard's alleged AB. Depp's attorney asked him why he stayed with Heard as their relationship deteriorated. I wanted to try to make it work, he said. Ms. Heard had spoken of suicide on a couple of occasions, so that also became a factor. That's something that lives in the back of your brain, Depp said. Depp also discussed his tattoos, telling the court Heard would make fun of some of them which he equated to keeping a journal of his life. He referenced a Winona Forever tattoo, which Depp said he got of his former girlfriend, actress Winona Ryder, but changed it to Wino Forever after they broke up. He said Heard didn't like it. I took off the last two letters and had it say Wino Forever, Depp said, adding, I thought through pain comes humor. Humor has to come in there into the pain, and that's how you play it out in the mind. So I changed it to Wino Forever. He said that Heard wanted him to get a tattoo of her own name, which he eventually did. And ironically, it wasn't long after that that everything started going sideways, Depp said. I was doing everything I could to bring a smile to her face as opposed to a frown. And then the onslaught of what problems she was experiencing, he said. I would try to wake her up with laughter, singing stupid songs in her ear. I generally just tried to keep bringing her mood up. Sometimes it worked, many times it didn't, but I tried. This is another thing that Amber Heard has said wasn't the case, mainly because of how she defined him as thoroughly AB. But according to him, he tried harder than arguably he should have tried to make things work, which could not have been easy to do given all that allegedly happened. Number three rage. As Depp testified further, he talked about how Amber would unleash her frustration and rage upon Johnny in a variety of painful ways. It could begin with a slap, it could begin with a shove, it could begin with throwing a TV remote at my head, he said, alleging that her behavior became constant during their arguments. There was no need for it. Too many lines were crossed. You couldn't see the lines anymore said Depp. When asked by his lawyer why he didn't leave her at the time of the alleged AB, Depp, who said he'd learned to pick your battles, said that it was a complicated answer. He recalled thinking, no one can live like this. Why did I stay? I suppose because my father stayed in his AB marriage, and I didn't want to fail. I wanted to try to make it work. I thought maybe I could help her. I thought maybe I could bring her around, because the Amber that I knew for the first year, year and a half, was not this. Suddenly, this opponent. It wasn't my girl. She had become my opponent said that should show you just how far things had fallen as johnny and amber refer to each other as opponents versus those who they had been married to number two recollections step also related his account of particular incidents during which Heard has alleged TA beat her. He testified about a private plane flight from Boston to Los Angeles in May 2014. Heard has accused him of kicking her and slapping her on the flight, but Depp denied that, saying instead that he had retreated to the bathroom and went to sleep after she tried to instigate a fight. He also testified about a trip to his private island in the Bahamas in August 2014, where he went to detox from prescription pain pills. He said that Heard came on the trip despite his misgivings, and that she arranged to be the one to administer his medications to help with the withdrawal symptoms. On one occasion, he testified that he was lying on a couch when the withdrawal symptoms became severe, and he pleaded with her to give him the medicine. She refused, saying it was not time yet, he said. He said he rolled onto the floor and was crying while begging for the medications. That was the lowest I had ever felt as a human being, he said, because I had to say, please, Please may I have my meds. And on and on it went, him telling about what he perceived were the events in question and how Amber's actions led to further and further AB. Believe it or not, he's still not done testifying. He'll be back on the stand later in the trial, and one can only imagine what he'll have to say then. And of course, Amber Heard has her own testimony that she'll be giving in order to give her side of the story. Number one, the tape recording. Arguably the most interesting part of the trial concerning Depp, though, 
was not something he said, but something that he went and heard. You might recall that a key piece of evidence that had been heard on the internet and beyond was a tape recording that was taken between Heard and Depp that showcased an argument that happened after Depp was a beat by Heard. This audio was played in a court of law for the very first time, and Depp was on the stand as the 90-second clip played. You could see the pain on his face as he relived that moment, as well as how the argument affected him when Heard in the clip tried to convince him that she didn't punch him that she hit him as if that's much of a difference and when johnny in the clip tried to call her out on that she accused him of being a baby and told him a key piece of evidence as again amber has denied ever a being johnny and yet here we have her being heard stating she did a b him and more than that she willingly admitted that she started the fight which drastically changes what she has said was truly in the past while things aren't over yet Things have been going well for Depp, at the very least, by allowing him to showcase his story before her and tell hers. And there you have it, everyone. A look at the testimony of Johnny and how his words might influence things going forward. What did you think of what he said and how he handled himself on the stand today? Do you think that there's more to come that could truly sway people to his side? Or do you think that Amber will do all she can to contradict him? Let us know what you think in the comments down below. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll see you next time on the channel. Right, new audio evidence. Could you please tell us who you are? No, you tell us who you are. Mostly planets Erma and Tamen. They are all revolving around the South Taigeta. In the Messiah 45, star system, Hades, the seventh system. We come from the streets, then come. The Kabbalah was preparing to call on the people a vast feeling before the Olympics to the end times of 
Okay, thanks for tuning in and please wear masks, protect yourself, and call Congress and uh, the night